0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The Horn. All right, a lot of Cowboys conversation today uh, in the uh, latest January collapse and or disappointment. Now, let's be fair, the last two Januaries, hard to call them a collapse. They came up short, they came yeah. up small, but I they were competitive. I mean, they played the Niners into the fourth quarter and just... Couldn't finish the deal, but uh, this game was it was eye-popping how bad it was, Rod. It was, I mean, because they had just lost this game, and it would have been a hard-fought game like the, the Niners games of previous Januarys. You could probably have a different conversation. I mean, you still might not say Mike McCarthy's job, but at the same time, this was so bad. Yeah. It just feels like it's there's a hollowness to all of the... I mean, twelve wins, division championship. Oh yeah, nine but, Pro Bowlers. Like what? Where but, is that?
1: But we said that before the season started, right? And the whole point was like, yeah, none of this matters, guys. None of it matters. We kept saying none of this matters in the regular season. The only thing that's actually going to matter is when the Cowboys get to the playoffs and how deep they go in the playoffs. Because we have seen this this movie, we've seen this story time and time again with the Cowboys. Great regular season. Hopes seem to, you know, increase and in all the, the the expectations seem to increase, and so does the pressure. And then the Cowboys underachieve, or they disappoint, or they underwhelm. And I think this time, it's pro- I didn't expect them to lose in the wild card round. Um, but we said I give it. up a
0: fifty burger.
1: Yeah, give up exactly. <laughs> and get down was it were it down 27-0 or something? What was it? 27-0. They were 27-0 also down forty eight
0: to sixteen. Let's not forget that. No, this
1: game was over that that score, whatever the score it ended up being 48-32 or whatever. That it is. doesn't count. It, uh, yeah, trust me. Because they got <laughs> to within a
0: two score game. And then you mean I guess yeah, Greg Olson. Because remember they put they put their backup quarterback in halfway through the game, yeah, fourth this. quarter. And they had to put Jordan Love back in when the Cowboys went down. So don't look at Dak Prescott's statistics and see three hundred and fifty yards and no. C D Lamb. This Forty-eight to sixteen, and let's say this, Rod, it was twenty to nothing. The Cowboys were driving to try to make it a you know maybe twenty to seven game and you know, get back in this thing. You're still at home, you still have your home crowd, you've got nine Pro Bowlers, and Dak threw just an inexplicable interception that oh, made it twenty-seven six, yeah. to nothing. Uh, that's over insurmountable in my mind. It's a four-score lead essentially, Kylie. Um, now the Cowboys did go down and score right before the half, and they had the ball coming out of half. And if they could have scored a touchdown there to make it 27-14, you know, but you got to have a heart of a, champion, heart of a champion to do that, Rod. you've got to have some some championship DNA to, to, to come back from that, even though it, just because you call it a bad half then. Instead, instead of they kicked a field goal on that opening drive of the third quarter, and they fell then they still couldn't stop Aaron Jones or Jordan Love, they fell behind 48 to 16. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember seeing it was the largest
1: halftime deficit since like the '60s in a playoff yeah. game for the Cowboys, and it was even, obviously it's the most points they've allowed in a loss in the playoffs in franchise history. It it was ugly, uh, in in a, in a lot of ways for the Cowboys, and I think it if you're the Cowboys, you got to start with what is what is limiting your franchise from getting to the next level well, because I'm- this. Now, to me, has happened with multiple quarterbacks, happened with Romo, happened with Dak, and happened with multiple head coaches as well. So it's not necessarily – it's not Mike McCarthy's fault, but it is his responsibility.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. And it's the some, players, right? It's I mean, something he inherited. That's why too. I say coming in um, this bad, when it gets to 48-16, that was really the score when it mattered because you couldn't get stops. I mean, um, I mean it's a wholesale collapse, Rod. I mean, yes, this is. is this is one of those – kind of like when they came off the 49ers 42 to 10 loss, they lost to the Bills 31 to 10 and just were non-competitive. They have this gene in them, Rod, which makes it really a difficult decision for the the power structure. I mean, what do we do? I mean, we can't cut the whole roster. You can't start over. Yep. But we got something that's culturally culturally rotten with Something's this team. going
1: on, man. Yeah.
0: Uh, are they too entitled? Are they too pampered? We—I mean—they're getting a lot of. They all have talk shows and podcasts, and we all do this, and and but no one's won anything. They don't want a damn thing. Uh, so I think there's—we we saw this with the Longhorns. It's something that Steve Sarkeesian has been, you know, really diligently trying to root out of the Texas football program—the entitlement that comes with playing at Texas. That's going to be a challenge for him, right? They still haven't won a – you know, they, they played for the, the semifinal. They won the Big 12. Yep. But you're moving to the SEC now. You better not get entitled because it can happen quick, Rod. All that culture, all that uh, tenacity, all that championship DNA that they had on this team last year, a lot of that's walking out the door. Yeah. And it's got to be replaced and replenished. I think Steve Sarkeesian and his staff are, are the right leaders to, to – and, and, and they have enough good leaders that are, that are coming back. But this is something the Cowboys don't have. Um, because don't. When, the, when the going gets tough – Real tough. Yeah. They don't get going. You could say the same thing about the Dolphins. I mean, this is something that the Dolphins are talking about right now. What does Miami do with Tua? Do they give him a big extension? I mean, can you – even though Tua had a great year and put up a lot of numbers, but, man, when they needed him most, he was – I know it was four degrees or minus four degrees or minus seven or whatever it was, but – I mean, do you really invest big money in that quarterback? I don't I, – that's a tough call in Miami. Yeah, the Cowboys, they were looking past
1: Green Bay Packers, and that is an organizational flaw of, of theirs. I think they were looking past Green Bay. That's on the head coach. They were distracted. That's also on head coach. I think Dan Quinn was distracted. Oh, man. That did not look like a game plan that had the – Dan Quinn detailed, oriented strategies. Playing with your hair on fire. Yeah, the detailed strategy. Yeah, it just seemed like they were lacking some of that, uh, you know, just some of that intensity. slow
0: motion, right? Yeah,
1: the intensity they usually have. But I got to tell you, I I don't think that they – usually Dan Quinn can take something away. And we know we've seen the Cowboys struggle versus the run game. But, man, I don't think I've seen them struggle versus the run game to that extent. And to to go into that game and not be able – to, to stop the run or neutralize the run when you know Green Bay coming in that Aaron Jones is definitely going to be the focal point. I mean, the last three games, I told you, going to the game, he had had at least 100 yards and had become more and more efficient based on success rate in those previous three games. I knew they were going to run the football. Uh, they came in, and they were able to do both, run the football And they were able to throw the football. And Jordan Love, I'll give him a lot of credit, but also the scheme. They moved the pocket a lot of the times. Uh, They were able to buy him some time, pass protection. And they were able to deliver some shot plays downfield against the Cowboys defense. I mean, Jordan Love had damn near a perfect pass rating, guys. He had a 157 Passer rating, 158 is a perfect passer. Hey, listen, playoffs,
0: <laughs> you know, you know we, we said all last week there's 14 teams left. There's, you know, 12 going to play this weekend. There's four. There's 16 or 18 teams that are done. These are the biggest games of the year. What do you always you tell our audience, Rod, and what do you preach? Which is right. In big means, games, you break, you break tendency. tendency. You break tendency. Uh, I was reading this from Miles Garrett, the uh, potential defensive player of the year in the mm-hmm. NFL. By the way, how uncomfortable is it going to be at the NFL honors before the Super Bowl win? Kevin Stefanski is given the NFL's Coach of the Year Award ahead of D'Amico Ryans, who beat the daylights out of him. I told
1: you. <laughs> I, I, told you I, I think D'Amico deserved it, but hey, both they both were deserving. Well,
0: th- this goes to exactly your point. It's why people should listen to this show every morning, share a friend, because you give insights that no one else does. Uh, break tendency is one of your mantras, right? Break tendency. Well, here it is. Miles Garrett criticizing Jim Schwartz, their defensive coordinator, doing it subtly, but he said, uh, you know, here's, here's Miles Garrett. He, meaning Jim Schwartz, their defense corner, said from the beginning he's going to ride with what got us here. He's not going to change up. There's not going to be any magic call that's going to get us out of anything or through anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I guess it was the Texans that were doing things a little bit different. You, you know, go. that kept us off balance. I think just the tempo in which they're." he went on to say they broke tendency. They did. They did a lot of things we hadn't seen yet. Yes, they did. We didn't do anything they hadn't seen.
1: Yeah. I think one of the part of it, they, they used a lot of uh, compressed sets, condensed formations, creating space on the outside. They know that Cleveland want to play a lot of man coverage, so if they don't play a lot of man coverage – we're going to go with condensed, compressed sets. I talked about this. Texas has trouble defending these condensed and compressed sets because you can't play bump and run against them. And you can't reroute the wide receivers when they're coming from these condensed sets because otherwise you're going to get picked and rubbed. So you play off, you play less aggressive. They get free releases and you create space on the outside because automatically you have to their alignment is going to be condensed and compressed to align with your condensed, compressed set. And then you create space on the outside. That's exactly what they did. Well, they that's I mean,
0: as much as I want to continue to heap praise on C-, C. J. Stroud, and I will, and you and I have watched him all year. He's been great, but you got you got to pat Bobby Sloak on the back a lot for this game plan you're because right, man. that game plan It was great. I mean, C. J. barely had to break a sweat. I mean, he yeah. was. I mean, it was wide open, dudes. I mean, I mean, he missed one right before the half that would have been a touchdown when. Uh, Nico Collins was running to the end zone. He just overthrew it a little bit. Very rare for him. Dalton Schultz dropped a wide-open pass in the first quarter that hit him in the hands. Yeah. I mean, it was just coming easy because what My- you combine what Miles Garrett said, you know, he said, we're going to ride with what got us here. He's not going to change up. Okay, well, you've got a stubborn defensive coordinator who's going to do what they've done all year. This is what they pay all these-, these analysts, Rod, and these coaches for to watch all this film. If they're not going to make any changes – we're just going to – we know where they're not going to be, and we know what they're going to struggle with. Uh, and, and you even mentioned C.J. Stroud struggled all year with man coverage. He did. He I didn't was, struggle in this game.
1: Yeah, he was actually one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL against man coverage and not in this game. They they, they cleaned up the looks for him. They were wide window throws where just got to – hey, you just got to put it right there well, how on about them, the C.J.? touchdown before half
0: when it was – uh, so tight window 17, throws. It was 17-14. And you're thinking, if you're a Browns fan, we could stop here. We, you know, good ball game. Mm-hmm. And Dalton Schultz, and and all C.J. Stroud did is throw it to the bucket. And just knowing it was man coverage, there wouldn't be anybody out there. Nope. Just let Dalton Schultz clear coverage. Who were flowing the wrong other direction, mm-hmm. and he's going to run under this ball. Yeah, and there's no. going to be nobody there. And
1: don't forget, they, he missed one. He missed the deep throw. Oh yeah, CJ just missed DeNico. him, and
0: it was he was wide open. He just missed him. Well, the first Nico Collins touchdown came on a you know the misdirection. You know, fake the pitch, throw back to Nico Collins. There's I mean, get Laramie Tunsell out on a cornerback. There's nobody else out there. Yep. Um, it is, and the guy who was playing like a, a missile. This uh. Who's the kid out of Notre Dame? Uh, JOK, uh, oh, Wosu yes. Koromoa. You, yes, and you saw Atlanta. him make a lot of plays. Yeah, he's a good player. But they also made him—they made a liability. Yeah, because of the misdirection on that touchdown. To ne- on that t- touchdown to Nico Collins. Yeah, and then the touchdown to the tight end Brevin Jordan. Mm-hmm. Remember on the Brevin Jordan touchdown. Wow. Hey, how about this? That was supposed to be JOK in coverage, mm-hmm. and he lost coverage and went after CJ Stroud. When he did it, he dumped it to the tight end who had been blocking to start yeah. with. No one was there, and everyone was still covering their man. By the time they realized Brevin Jordan had come clean, he's gone. Yep. He's all, gone.
1: The, all the misdirection, like you said, all the misdirection, it was able to occupy the eyes.
0: And they almost used Owosu uh, Koromo's aggressiveness against him, yeah. and he's their best, one of their best defensive players. I mean, as far as pursuing to the football, they, he made some plays. He made some plays, but he
1: also was a liability. Yeah, he also gave up soon. some big ones. Yep. No, you're right about that. So, miss- you see why is getting job interviews. Sure. I mean, honestly, if he keeps this up, he'll probably be a head coach by 2025. Yeah. He may stay in the Texas for one more year, but they won't be able to keep him if, he, if they stay on this type of pace. They won't be able to keep him around for that long. Because you're right, that was a clinic.
0: Well, and that's a Shanahan tree, right? That's McS- McShanahan. They make Shanahan franchises, baby. And you saw Matt LaFleur do it to uh, the Cowboys. I mean, Matt LaFleur is of that McShanahan franchise. And that was a hell of a game plan with the quarterback. Because, look, it took a little bit for Matt LaFleur to build trust with his quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, but once they broke through, when well, they went 3-6, and six, the Packers. But once, once Jordan Love, you know, took the training wheels off a little bit and they were able to trust one another, now LaFleur can call the whole game plan.
1: And you know what I love about it, though? They don't have a star-wide receiver either, necessarily. No. Well, yesterday right? it was they,
0: Romeo Dobbs. It's
1: a different guy kind of all the time, but they just have this kind of – and by the way, they're one of the best organizations in the NFL are doing what? Drafting wide receivers. Even though Aaron Rodgers complained about them all the time, they actually all, they just don't draft them in the first round. They're like the Steelers. Like We're going to draft wide receivers. not going to draft them in the first
0: round. Because it's the deepest position in football. Yeah. You tell us all so, the time, Yeah, Ron.
1: why draft them in the first round? when You can keep getting quality wide receivers in the middle rounds And they got a nice little group of quality wide receivers. And all of them are growing up with Jordan Love because they're all first- and second-year guys who he was throwing to on the scout team probably when Aaron Rodgers was there. They're growing up with this guy. That's why the chemistry is so
0: good. Now they'll be the ones to challenge the Lions for that division moving forward. Oh, it's going to be nice. we'll see they're headed to San Francisco to play, speaking of Shanahan and that Shanahan tree. They'll play San Francisco this weekend, the divisional weekend. Cowboys, Texans don't know who they're going to play yet. They know when they're playing, Rod. Texans fans, they're playing at 3.30 on Saturday, either in Baltimore or in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Today's Bills game will be the uh, determining factor on that. If the Bills win, Houston's going to Baltimore. If the Steelers win, Houston's going to Kansas City. And, Rod, I'm looking at uh, from about an hour ago, there is still about three feet of snow on the ground and in the stadium. Uh, the Bills are paying general citizens $20 an hour to show up to shovel snow.
1: $20 an hour. Is that worth it in and that free kind food, of weather? And free food. Okay, what's the? I need to know the food. I need the menu. What's the menu? Probably wings pizza or
0: something? Probably wings. Well, look at that. They're trying to get the snow out of the stadium because it's not going to melt at I any mean, point. It's not going to go above freezing. So they, they so but the fans want to go to the game.
1: Yeah, they are like hey, we got to clear the stadium out <laughs> so the game can happen. So give us some free food and preferably right, some buffalo wings.
0: This video I'm watching, it's still snowing. So they're snow. They're shoveling it, but it's still snowing. And that's, that's uh, these people are cold-weather people, so they know how to shovel some snow. Like it, now, a, we
1: go up there, and we, we scrubbing it up there. No, these people, they've been shoving the snow for their entire lives. Yeah, so they know how to shovel some damn snow. It's
0: for those who – there were a lot of people. I mean, everybody you grew, grew up. up in I cold, up so in some, you know how to shovel snow. Well, some and I did grow up, and, and, you know, what they're dealing with is called lake effect snow, and it's when – because Lake Erie's right there in Buffalo, and it, it, the, I mean, it, it, essentially the storm just picks up the, the water out of the lake and, and it, just dumps it. Yeah, and that's
1: basically all your snow. Right. And, it, and
0: it's yeah. a, it's a, it, and that's a blizzard, right? It's just yeah. one of these lake effect snows. I want to and, say
1: that's what was happening out there at the Austin Airport. No joke, it's like a lake out there, and they say it's a lake, lake effect. effect. And that's what some, some snow. Well, I grew
0: up in northeast Ohio, Akron, Ohio. Also, just you know, Akron's just south of Cleveland. Cleveland, right on Lake Erie. Yeah, Detroit's like that. We, we get, get lake, effect, all the lake effect, lake yeah. effect snow, <laughs> and it's brutal. I mean, it's unlike a, it's it's. You know, is it we, heavier? Uh, yeah, it's wetter. Snow? it's wetter. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, wet. Uh, wet wet and snow it's, is gross.
0: And it's usually real windy. And that's why I said on Friday, how's I going to play this game right? If the wind's blowing 40 or 50 miles an hour and it's snowing, you can't see. It's a blizzard. Yeah. I mean, that's a, the, yeah. the wind blowing the snow everywhere makes it impossible to see it. Yeah, you anything, can't see a damn thing. Which is why they had to move the game. People were actually criticizing it. Yeah, that travel ban. You couldn't even. <laughs> yeah. ever, you yeah. Don't move. Don't uh, leave your please house. Please don't leave your house, but come to a football game. <laughs> <laughs> 70,000 of you. Come uh, to this football yeah. game so yeah. we can well, play football. Nah, that was a smart move. All right, let's go uh, to Rob's rant, or do you want to do it after the bottom of the hour? Do you want a little more, uh, more space?
1: Uh, sure, we can do yeah, a little bit more space. Yeah, yeah let's do a little do it. bit more space. Because we're past
0: 19 now. So we'll do a timeout here coming up. But I want to mention while we're on this conversation, Miles Garrett about not breaking tendency. Uh, Packers absolutely broke tendency, and the Cowboys. The other thing for, for Miles Garrett and the Browns and the Cowboys, how they're similar, both got boat raced. Neither coaches made adjustments, right? They just didn't – I mean, that's – I mean, I where's just, the adjustment? It like they
1: were shell-shocked
0: almost yes. that it happened the way it did. This is your point on Dan Quinn, maybe distracted by Seattle. Okay, once it's working, I mean, that same six route, as you called it, the drag routes to Romeo route. Dobbs, yeah. was there all – Day, all day. All long. the way to
1: the last touchdown. Yeah. I think he was thinking pressure would get there before everybody could That's a long, it, it route. a long development. It is a long developing route. Man. He took – because he, he was kind of like casual. He ran it. He would run up, and he'd run about you know, 10, 12 yards, and then he would casually go all the way from the one side of the uh, field's numbers to the other numbers on the other side of the field, and he'd hit him. And I just think and usually – wouldn't be anybody around him. <laughs> the, number, the number one pressure defense in the NFL – they usually get home before that's exposed. Well, that,
0: now, they completed a couple of those long ones to Romeo Dobbs. One was on a third and 13. Where when I mean, you're getting them off the field if you can yeah. get them. And, and, it was, and that's one of the ones where they move the pocket just slightly yep. to give extra pressure and extra time. Oh, but at some point, as the game goes on, Dan Quinn, don't you have to – okay, guys, we're not Adjust. letting 87 <laughs> yeah. on this little crosser. We can't count on the pressure right now. we got to have somebody there. You're right. I
1: that, <laughs> that was not any adjustment. But honestly, it, it I just think he got – Outcoached, and Dan, that doesn't happen against Dan Quinn very often. Well, if you're
0: Seattle and you were planning to hire him this you, week, are you thinking? I know.
1: Hmm. Exactly.
0: Oh, hey out
1: against more importantly a Shanahan, Mac Shanahan disciple. Yes, because then you're like, "Well, he's gonna be seeing the Mac Shanahans twice."
0: McVeigh and four, sorry, four uh, times Shanahan. a year,
1: four times. Not only the, the best of the McShanahan clan.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was. So I don't know. That's a, I mean, if you're in Seattle and you you kind of forced Pete Carroll, and I kind of forced you. Mm. Pete Carroll told us he forced them out. <laughs> Non-football people made the decision, and I Pete Carroll's that, out. Man. Uh, now they're thinking. Because the idea was Dan Quinn, I guess you have to go go through with it and just blame Mike McCarthy or team or whatever. I guess. But that was pretty lame uh, for Dan Quinn. That was very lame. That was not a confidence building. Huh? Um, but, you know, we'll see where that goes. Jim Harbaugh is going vi- to visit with the, C- with the Chargers today, Rod. Uh, at least uh, the interview is supposed to start today. And remember, <laughs> I saw this was a cool stat mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh played for the Chargers back when they were in San Diego. Played on a team with Ryan Leaf. As a yeah. quarterback, that went 1 and 15, Rod.
1: How many teams did Harbaugh play for? Like oh, Three or four? Because I know like,
0: Bears, Colts. Colts,
1: Bears, now you're talking about the Chargers. He played
0: for like 14
1: years. I know he played, he played for a, a long time. time. I, I thought he'd end up playing for like like two or three teams. Yeah, he was on a
0: 1-15 and 15 team with the Chargers. That okay. This was 1999-2000. Uh, this was a Ryan Leaf-led team. He played realize. for the Lions in 01.
1: Shout out. Okay.
0: Yeah. I did not realize he, that. He played for the Bears, Colts, Ravens, Chargers, Lions, Panthers. was his Whoa. last team in 01. Okay. So, yeah, played from 87 87 through 01.
1: I didn't realize he had played for that many teams. Actually, yeah. Well,
0: his best years were in Chicago, Chicago and then Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, and then he became kind of an older quarterback at that point. Hey, Collecting
1: them checks. Collecting them checks. Back but up then, in the uh, so
0: we'll see. Yeah, he played on the Chargers back in the day on a real bad team. Okay, uh, we'll see. so
1: I, yeah, so that makes even more sense why the Chargers. Uh, oh, he knows the ownership. We were talking about how they, you know, he's been around so long. It's the Spanos family, and he had that time as the coach in San Diego at the co- one of the colleges in San
0: Diego, and he sees a pretty loaded roster. Uh, then now it's got some cap issues. They got to deal to work through. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're looking like you did at Michigan, kind of a long game. I got my quarterback. I got some nice pieces. Yeah, I
1: got something to work with already here.
0: I mean, we'll have and to move it, when through. he has
1: a quarterback. Really, that's for for him. That's usually um, it means he's going to be able to win right away.
0: Yeah, and he'll I mean, he'll he'll run the ball. You know yeah. what he's going to be. He's not going to change his stripes at this point. So we'll see if that goes there. Seattle needs a coach. We know that Gerard Mayo's taking over in New England for Bill Belichick. That's a done deal. That's a that done already deal. happened. Uh, but, you know, Tennessee needs a coach. Um, but Bears are sticking with Matt Eberflus, which is crazy. Uh, and now the question will come down. You know, there's talk that if the Eagles lose tonight, the Eagles could be open, and now what do you do in your Dallas? I mean, are you, are you stuck with Mike McCarthy, or are you moving off of Mike McCarthy? I mentioned this earlier in a tease, Rod. Uh, it, <laughs> the only person I've seen say this, but RG3, Robert Griffin III.
1: What did RG3 say? you like – it it's bullish or BS uh, on
0: this? I'm calling BS, but I want your thoughts. It's provocative. Okay. He says he wants they should fire Mike McCarthy and hire primetime Deion Sanders. Oh, Dion. Okay,
1: no, but that's not. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not calling total BS on it because I understand where he's going, but I don't know if Deion's proven himself enough. But trust me, if Dion goes to another big time university and has success, it won't be out of the realm. I know. It, it just that right. doesn't feel no, – you know, it you might can't be just
0: what they need, but at the same time it doesn't feel like they need a celebrity coach. No, they you need can't a, do it. They now. need a – No,
1: you need, you, you need somebody who actually has – can stabilize the franchise too to a certain extent. But you I do to, think
0: I – mean, I would argue Mike McCarthy kind of stabilized things from where Jason Garrett was because it was so up and down.
1: That's true. You it's are more 12 consistent. Wins now. now.
0: you're trying to get to the next, and I don't know – I can't tell you what that is. I mean, I, 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 as I have said for 25 years, the first step is Jerry Jones has to fire himself as general manager and hire one. Even if it's Will McClay, just put Will McClay in the general manager role and step aside 81-year-old Jerry and let him work. Get out of his way. Now, he can never do that. I know. It's not in his nature. It's not possible. But, you know, that would be a f- good Deion first Sanders. step. Yeah, I mean, and then and then if Will McClay – and you can keep your son Steven in there yeah. as one of the advisors. or whatever, yeah. Or whatever you want it to be. But Jerry needs to get out. But if Will McClay thinks they should stick with, Will, with uh, Mike McCarthy, you do – if you should fire him, do it. Hire the right coach. And as you say, let the let the vision be shared, which is what you heard from Dan Campbell talking about his GM, Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans, um, Brett Veach and, and Andy Reid. I mean, there's a shared vision. When there's a shared vision with a good quarterback, you can go places. Uh, safe to say. Now, you wonder in Philadelphia, Rod, with Howie Roseman, if yeah. they've maybe soured on Nick Sirianni. Maybe there's just this – something has happened this year that's exposed him as a flawed leader. I don't know what that is, but it feels like that thing has rotten from the inside.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because you mean, know it's not coming from the top like in Dallas. It's coming from that locker room. Well, Something
1: higher, in Harry Roseman, we've seen that he will not wait long to make a change.
0: He's not. <laughs> yeah, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and his leash was about this long. <laughs> yes.
1: Even Andy Reid, a goat. Howie man I mean, Howie Rose just doesn't mess around when it comes to stuff like that. So I, I could see even Nick Sirianni, coming off a Super Bowl appearance, I could see them making a change because the drop off has been so precipitous. From ten and one to first a round loss. Such drop off.
0: And, but it, it, if they fire him, Rod, right at because st- he's twenty five and nine as a coach and has been in a Super Bowl. It would stem from something behind the scenes we don't know that, yeah. that has led to this deterioration yeah. of trust with the t- with the locker room.
1: And I wonder where Roseman would go if he did make the change. See, Harry Roseman probably already has he a plan. People have connected place.
0: Belichick to him. Ooh, Belichick. <laughs> Belichick, like, Because well, that you know roster's what? built.
1: I would say Belichick with a personnel man, because Harry Roseman's a good personnel man, so you don't have to worry about that. That's a question with him. And Harry Roseman would definitely hire him an offensive coordinator. My biggest questions with Belichick would be answered with Harry Roseman. Yeah,
0: you're he, right about that. Right? He'd have a personnel and guy, Belichick, and he'd, he'd hire him an offensive guy. And if guy. you're Belichick, that's a, that's a ready-to-win It's a roster already. Roster.
1: Yeah. They just they just need like discipline. But to and your culture. point about
0: the, the the checks and balances and the chain of command. If the Cowboys hired him, who's the general manager? Can't be Jerry. Can't be Jerry working with Belichick. And Belichick like is not going to see the. Howie Roseman's already in place in Philadelphia. Yes. And has been for a decade. Yeah. So he would have a lot of power and say with Belichick. Belichick would just be there to coach the team, and take the team to its highest bar. Right. Uh, if you would let him do that in Dallas, maybe. But it comes with the Jerry problem. It yeah. all comes with a Jerry problem. Yeah,
1: I don't want I don't want Belichick uh deciding personnel. No. I don't want. But him you to don't to want listen.
0: Jimmy or Jerry the same personnel. Yeah. But uh, either way, there's, there's the problem. We come back. Rod will have his second rant of the day. Uh, give him a full 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 bore segment to go into the rant of uh, this Monday morning. There's plenty to rant about, including the Longhorns adding uh, years to Steve Sarkeesian's contract all the way through 2030. Also, Jade Baron is back. Uh, Isaiah Bond is coming to Texas from Alabama. Also, what about Dwayne Aquina? But Rod will have a rant coming next.
1: I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!
0: Find out what happens when people stop- stop being polite and start getting real you ain't keeping it real. my god okay it's happening everybody stay calm what's no, what's you've what's done doing it, doing? it now it's time for rod's oh. rant of the day hold
1: on to your butts all right let's talk about the uh, Texans' win and the cowboy disappointing loss uh we've talked about this before and i've said it you know uh, over the last few years, uh, whether you're talking about the Longhorns or whether you're talking about the NFL teams, you want to win a big game in football, you got to break Tennessee at the right time. Teams are so dialed in into your trends and the patterns and your habits as a team, as a play caller, especially at the end of the season when you have so much sample size uh, and the data scientists that every team has uh, in their uh, on their staffs now They have people that can figure out exactly what your trends are, patterns are, and different uh, combinations of concepts that you're going to use based on formation, based on personnel grouping, based on down, distance, circumstance. I mean, it is crazy how detailed it is these days. And you hear me giving some of those numbers and sharing those things with you. Imagine, like, you know… 15 Rod B's is in a room figuring out that kind of stuff. That's what NFL teams have at their disposal. That's why you got to break tendency at the right time. And just the smallest uh, tendency breaker, whether it be a concept or with the scheme or this, the way you use personnel can really change the game and really flip the script for you as a team. The Texans, they, I think, they did a a few things that were considered tendency breakers, in my opinion. Let's start with D'Amico Ryan's, and um, he mentioned this earlier, but Next Gen Stats has the uh, the breakdown of it, and you got to give my man D'Amico Ryan's a lot of credit. Now, first time, oh, not first time, the last time prior to this playoff uh, matchup that the Texans played the Browns, Amari Cooper went off for 265 yards, two touchdowns, set a franchise record. Remember, I told you guys. On Friday, I say he's not going to bet. He's not going to go off like that, right? If you want to bet some money on uh, Amari Cooper's numbers, bet the under. Get chance. D'Amico Ryan's is going to have a plan to take Amari Cooper away. You just can't. There's no way I would respect D'Amico Ryans as a defensive mind if you allow a receiver to have a 265 yards receiving in one game, and then the very next time you play him, you allow him to go off again for even a hundred yards. So, I told you to take the under on whatever the stats were for Amari Cooper. I just didn't know the strategy that would be deployed by D'Amico Ryans. And turns out it was a simple one Derek Stingley. Now, Derek Stingley did not shadow in coverage. And shadow means follow a receiver around everywhere they go on the football field. He did not shadow a player in coverage in a game during the regular season at all. So not one time, not one game, they decided to shadow Stingley with a top receiver or either receiver during the regular season. And he only aligned on the right side as a right cornerback on just three snaps. In the the first half alone, just in the first half, he was a right cornerback on 14 snaps. So he had only aligned the right cornerback three times. He was already aligned there 14 times in the first half. If you're the Browns, you're building a game plan on, all right, this guy does not go to the right side of the field ever. It's very rare. So we actually know we can find favorable matchups over there. Well, no, you don't. I'm going to fork you to make an adjustment immediately. That was just in the first half, all right? Um, if you go look at all throughout the game, Derek Steenley aligned across from Amari Cooper, 35 of 42 snaps. That's 83% shadow rate um before the texans basically were done and sent in the backups he allowed just one reception for negative six yards on three targets as the nearest defender um and if you go look at week 16 last time they played on when mark cooper went off um he uh targets and receptions he had four i think there were uh four uh targets he allowed three receptions um, he had uh, average separation was 1.3 yards so it wasn't bad uh, but here it was 0. 0.7 yards so basically allowing him to shadow Amari Cooper when he really wasn't a shadow defender was a great way to break Tennessee and by the time that the Browns could adjust um, they had no way to adjust I mean they, there was nothing they really could do uh, the Texas had overwhelmed them so it was a slight adjustment but it really did make the difference and held Amari Cooper in check For the Texans, we also talked about the offense for the Texans and how Bobby Slowick was dialing up a really good game plan. He knew that the Browns were being a lot of single high coverages. Also knew they would play a lot of man to man. They were top five uh, in both uh, man to man rate in the NFL and in single uh, single high rate and in cover one rate. So you know they're gonna play a lot of man to man. You know they're gonna play a lot of single high. And I thought it was a really smart move by them to use a lot of condensed and compressed sets. That's when you have all of the receivers compacted together close to the line of scrimmage. And then you can create space on the outside, space on the perimeter that way. Also forces the DBs to give you space. They can't play bump and run in that situation. They can, but then they risk getting rubbed or getting picked. So most of them will give you space and they will pass off routes pass off receivers in coverage, well, that gives the receivers a free release. Creating space on the outside with a free release, and that does it does a lot of different things to counter man-to-man because it gives the receivers uh, just a free release off the line of scrimmage. um, That helps the timing of the routes, and then you're creating space on the outside from the condensed and the compressed sets, and that's going to allow the receivers to win the leverage battle because then you know the leverage most of the time of the DBs. They're going to be, a lot of times, almost forced to try to be outside leverage and if they're inside leverage oh, you win again because you, you, basically the entire a third of the field is open because they're allowing you to have a third of the field on the outside you create that space but if they're outside also it allows you as a receiver especially if you have a deep crossing routes it allows you to get to the other side of the formation quicker because you're in a condensed compressed set you're already halfway there instead of coming from a slot or coming from the number one receiver side uh, spot when you had to come all the way across the field so they're they're minor little tweaks and i'll go back and try to check how often texas the texans run these types of formations and they run them some but i saw probably more uh in this game that i've seen from bobby Sloak in any game that i've watched so far this season or as many as i've seen in any game i've watched this season Peter King had this quote. He had the Coach of the Week honors. He gives it out in his Monday uh, morning quarterback or Football Morning America, I believe it's his column now, Um, but with Pro Football Talk. And he said that Bobby Sloak was his uh, Coach of the Week. And here's what he says about Bobby Sloak. He said, per next-gen stats, eight of C.J. Strauss' 21 passes were targeted to receivers who had at least five yards of separation from the nearest defender. So we talked about these guys were running wide open. They certainly were. (laughs) <laughs> and all they needed was see they, – they were schemed up wide window throws and made life really easy on a young quarterback who had struggled, as I told you guys, all season long throwing against man coverage. Well, if I scheme up wider window throws um, with a lot of separation, that's, that's the only tough thing about throwing against man, the tight windows. They're, they're tighter windows to throw to, uh, throw through, and this time he made those wide windows. So give Bobby Sloan credit, and I thought a lot of that was him breaking tendency also at the at the right time.
0: And I said this earlier about C.J. Stroud. his I think part, having watched you know all of his games this year, I think part of why he struggled against man coverage is, is especially when, like, Nico Collins was down, he didn't have receivers that could beat man coverage. He was trying to throw into super tight windows mm-hmm. and trying to fit it in, right, because yep. the, you, the guy's covered. Yeah. Uh, and he's not a great receiver. Uh, so I think he struggled with that. But, man, when he has his full complement of receivers, like he did in this game, and you have Bobby Slowick dialing up and breaking tendencies and, you know, misdirections to, to clear one side of the field, everything you just said – we still saw how accurate he can be. But in the end of the day, they scored 45 points, and he only had to throw the ball 21 times. That's I mean, it. that's because the defense was great. And here's the thing about the Cowboys, the Texans moving forward. I know we're talking about the Cowboys this morning. the end of the day, and we talked about this all year, Rod, the, the, the Cowboys went 12-5, and 5, Cow, the Texans went 10-7. and 7. Texans lost a game like to Carolina that they shouldn't have lost. They lost some games as a young team that they had no business losing. The Texans actually beat better teams this year. I mean, they beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati before Joe Burrow got hurt. They beat Pittsburgh like a drum. They beat uh, Jacksonville when, back when Jacksonville was still playing good football at 37-17. Uh, they beat Denver. Remember when Denver came in, and Denver was the hottest team in football, and they beat them. Mm. Uh, they have beaten So the point being, they're not afraid of anybody. Uh, it's meaning moving forward, whether they play Baltimore in Baltimore or Kansas City in Kansas City, they're going to bring a good game. Now, this team, that's another thing where D'Amico Ryan's, I think, because it, this team believes they can play with anybody. They don't that. Whereas the Cowboys, the best team the Cowboys beat all year, were so what, Detroit. Was Detroit. They beat the
1: Rams, beat Phillies. So they beat three playoff teams.
0: And they beat. But unlike, because again, I'm not going to parse parse the numbers. But at the end, when they played the Rams, the Rams were terrible. That was at the beginning of yes, the year. Yes, that was true. And, and the Eagles were spiraling. And, and the Eagles were in the, the beginning of their spiral, their mm-hmm. their disintegration. Yeah. And the Lions game was controversial because you know if the two point conversion is allowed, they lose. So. And the Texans played Cincinnati in Cincy when they were hot. Mm-hmm. They had won like four or five in a row. And Joe Burrow was just getting healthy, and they beat them. Uh, beat Pittsburgh way back. They beat, as I said, uh, that Denver mm. team when Denver was you know showing you know yeah, signs they of had life, won
1: like five in a row or something like that. They had
0: so and then you know then they went and play the Jets and C.J. Stroud got hurt and you know Will Anderson got hurt in that game and Nico Collins got hurt and then they kind of tumbled a little bit there near the end of the year. But they they righted the ship, beat Tennessee and Indianapolis down the road. Uh, and so I just there's a there's a confidence in this team that I don't see in the Cowboys against good teams. They don't fear. They're not going to fear Kansas City if they go into Kansas City. they, no. they, they, may, not, they may not beat them. But they will not fear that team. They really won't. And C.J. Stroud will there's – there's just a – there's a toughness to that team that I, I – mean, even go back – and you know what's amazing? I'll find this quote this week especially because I think they're going to end up playing Baltimore in Baltimore. And maybe you'll find them better. The That'd team be, they
1: played to start the season. Yeah. More but right if there. you go
0: – John Harbaugh, after they won the game 25-9, to 9, John Harbaugh said that's a team that's going to win a lot of games this year. You guys don't believe it. You watch. That's a team that's going to win some games this year. That's a better team than you think they are. And he was spot on because there's something about him. And I remember watching that game, thinking, "Wow, this team's better than I thought." They lost twenty-five to nine, but it kind of got out of hand at the end, and the touchdown was added. Um, but man, there was just there's something that. And this goes to culture in Demico Ryan's. It's what Dan Campbell's you know brought to the to the to the to the Lions. They believe mm-hmm. there's a belief rod. That they can win, and and Domico Ryan's and uh, and this Texans team, they have it. I don't know that they can win their next game, but man, they're gonna they're gonna give a fight. They'll give a fight. And the, you just went through with Bobby Slowick in your rant. They'll have a good game plan.
1: They will. They'll be well coached. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's something about right now C.J. Stroud and the way he's playing that's inspiring this group. Like he's uplifting the play of others around him. There are guys that are playing above their skill set. They're outperforming their contracts, right? And outperforming their evaluations. And I think it's like you said, it's because they believe. And part of what they believe in is not only D'Amico Ryans, but it's also this young QB. Um, Last three games, this guy, since coming back from his concussion, 76% completion percentage, (laughs) 75.9. I guess you can, I'm rounding up. Um, Hell, the record for a full season is 74.4. Touchdown interception ratio, 6 to 0. Passer rating of 130.3. Which is out of this world, and his yards per attempt is 9.5, which is basically a first down every
0: time he attempts a pass. <laughs> I mean, this
1: dude is. in uh, yeah, Last three games, he's playing out
0: of his mind. Well, a couple things happen for the Texans, and we'll talk about them all week long. We'll know today after, you know, about six o'clock tonight who they're going to play. It's either going to be at Baltimore or at Kansas City at 3:30 on Saturday. You know, I always talk about that Carolina game that they lost coming out of the bye week, 15-13. That was the last game this year where Damian Pierce got more carries than Devin Singletary. I, yeah. believe, I believe after that game, the coaching staff kind of gave up on Damian Pierce being a good fit for what they're doing. And they went to Singletary, and he's been great. We yeah. had the stat during the game that in the last eight weeks, he's, a, he's the third-leading rusher in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey and uh, – I can't remember who the other one was, but it was somebody really good. Maybe Raheem Mostert in Miami. I mean, third leading rusher in the league. That's uh, crazy. Uh, and he's been great. He's given some balance to their offense. And they've gotten healthy on their offensive line. Let's mention that, too, healthier up front. So, yeah, they'll, they'll look. I mean, in Kansas City, you know, they'll, they'll beat themselves sometimes. They beat Miami, but that was not much of a Miami effort. Uh, so, man, if the Houston get Kansas City. So, if you're a Texas fan, you're probably rooting for Pittsburgh today. Because if Pittsburgh were to win, they'd go to Baltimore for an AFC North clash. You'd go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs.
1: It's amazing because Damian Pierce has such a great rookie year. I know. And it was it almost, you know, crowned, considered the heir apparent, to start running back for the Texans. But I like that they <clears> – <throat> you know, that was a new offense. They're running the Shanahan offense, which is a zone blocking scheme. And there's some running backs that are better at running power schemes. Yep. Some running backs are better at gap schemes and zone blocking schemes. So I just think he's better at the zone blocking scheme and maybe. Uh, Damian Pierce is more of a, a, a gap, you know, counter, gap power kind of counter yeah. guy instead of the zone blocking scheme. And it works. You're yeah. right, because even Singletary, and he runs hard. He, I mean, run when he,
0: he runs through some people. He
1: runs through some people. He breaks tackles at the second level. It's not only that he's a one cut runner, but once he gets to the second level, I man, he breaks tackles. So he I does. can see why they're saying, you know what, we can't afford to waste downs giving the ball to Pierce just so he can get in a groove when this guy is being productive.
0: And now you're second and long, right? Because yeah. he's stop or no gain. Uh, and that, yeah, there were some runs, and we mentioned mm. Ouso Coramoa for the Browns, their overly aggressive linebacker who's really good. But he had some of those jump cuts where he would press the hole and keep Coramoa in the hole mm-hmm. and then bounce it to the outside yep. and beat into the corner. Yeah, yep. it was nice. Really impressive. Really, And obviously, if you got Laramie Tunsell plowing the way a left tackle, which they did, helps clear that hole. So there's lots to like about where Houston is. And I don't, you know, Baltimore, we'll see. But, but if they're playing Kansas City, I think they've got a puncher's chance in that game. I, I, I mean, I'm going to pick. The, the you know Patrick Mahomes best quarterback of our generation of this era but at the same time they're they're not a perfect team in in Kansas City we know that yep. uh and Houston's playing some good football they've got some good wins under their belt and that just gives you the the ceiling of the future of this franchise because we've told you now that you if you maybe you watched them on Saturday and went wow 45-14 they're really good well, they have the third most cap space in the league. Mm-hmm. They've got – by beating the Browns, they're now they're now draft pick is the Browns pick, which means it's higher than their own pick in the NFL draft. And they've got draft capital. To, and they've got, uh, yep. you know, this good young roster. they so,
1: got five-year window. Lots it's to up. like. It's wide the, open.
0: And it's not to rub it into the Cowboys, but it's the exact opposite of the Cowboys. The Cowboys' window was this year. They now have a ton of free agents, including Ty, Ty, you know, Tyron Smith and Tony Pollard and um, Tyler Beattis, your starting center, all these guys. J. Ron Kurse, and uh, Stephon Gilmore, and they've got to sign CD and, and Micah and Dak. I don't I don't know how they're going to do all this, um, and they're going to lose some good coaches, and they're going to lose. They're going to have to cut some guys loose. Yeah, you, you're 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 concerned if you're the Cowboys about where they are. Texans, meanwhile, on this ascent with a rookie quarterback and a pretty talented football team and a really good young coach.
1: Uh, the most remarkable uh, stat I think still from that Cowboys uh, debacle was that Michael Parsons, for the second game in a row against the Packers, only had one pressure. Oh, He had one pressure when they played him last season, too, and this season, one pressure. That is the lowest pressure rate in a game in his career. That is great game planning. They used a balanced play calling. They used up-tempo pace as well and different personnel groupings and formational versatility to essentially – Remove the threat of Dak Prescott (laughs) and move the pocket a little bit. Of Michael Parsons. Like he wasn't even a threat
0: against him. You're right about that. Mm. Well said. And yeah, the Cowboys didn't seem like much of a threat at all in Mm -hmm. that game in any phase, but uh, very disappointing. Who would have thought? 45 14 Houston, 48 32 Green Bay. That's why we play the games. We'll come back when we do a little round of Who Said That into the fabulous fifth hour on this MLK Day holiday. It's uh, Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Ian Rodby on the horn. Ooh, who said that one of our uh, fave segments to uh, have some fun with some good audio from around the landscape and there's a ton of it on this monday morning and then try to guess who said that uh, Rod, can i play this for you yes sir all right let's hear this there ty who said this, this is a short one so you gotta listen this is an on-field meeting uh between two players Hey! Oh, how are you, Ty? Hey! Congrats, baby. Oh, you, Congrats brother. on a great career, man.
1: You, right? you. You're the best, baby. You're, you're the back best. Back. Go, Go back. make Houston yeah, great we'll again. We'll do bro. it. Go make Houston <laughs> great again. Bro. Yeah, we'll I love do. you, brother. I appreciate you too, man. Right, right, so, right.
0: right.
1: Go make Houston great again. Ooh. That's a
0: very – uh Yes, yeah,
1: very specific. That's a great hint. Ooh, who is that on well, the field? Play that
0: again, Ty, because it's you got to listen to what the other guy says, too, because this is key, too. This was late last year. And, uh, and you, you, if you listen to the thing, it's 13 seconds. You'll figure out who, who who that is. That's a player who's playing in his final game, and a former teammate of his.
1: Hey. Oh, how are you, baby? Hey. Congrats, baby! Oh, Congrats you, on a great career, oh, man. You. All right? oh, You're man. the best, baby. You're Don't be Go make Houston yeah. great again. We'll huh? do it. Don't make Houston <laughs> great again. Yeah, we'll I love it. you, brother. I, I, I love appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Man. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I got it. That's J.J. Watt meeting D'Amico Ryan's at midfield. Uh, okay. And now this was before D'Amico was even named head coach in Houston. How about that? Saying, go make Houston great again. I got gotcha, you. So he okay. was still the defensive coordinator of the Niners. Wow. And that was J.J.'s last game. And they met him. Obviously, J.J. Yeah, was mic'd cool. up. And he says, go make Houston great again. He called, hey, hey what's up, Cap? Because, of course, they played together when oh, yeah. D'Amico was the captain of the Texans' defenses. And uh, he said, you know, D'Amico said, great career. Congrats on a great career. You're the best. And he said, hey, go make Houston great again. And he said, I will. I will. He you said, I right. will. Hey.
1: And he, right now he's bagging it up, man. And
0: that's right. pretty cool because when I heard that, I was like, "Well, D'Amico wasn't even the head coach yet. They yeah. hadn't that hadn't been done yet."
1: They were really high on D'Amico, though. I mean, I remember the players talking about how he was a, essentially a coach on the field as a player. Uh, and JJ White said he moved into the neighborhood that D'Amico Ryan's was in when he got to the team. That basically off D'Amico Ryan's suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> when he got there, he was like, "Oh, D'Amico's living there. And I need to live there."
0: All right, so that's some cool sound yeah, right there. And cool. obviously, fast forward one year later. And D'Amico That's does awesome. have Houston uh, on a good track. And J.J. is, uh, you know, excited about it, too. What do you have for me, Ron?
1: Uh, all right, Ty, since you a couple of these, you can dial any of them up We you play. Who said that? And now you will host another playoff game here. I Could you even have imagined?
0: No, no, I, I think we all went to Dallas again, but the fact that we're back here, it's a blessing. So um, it's going to be fun
1: next weekend. Ooh wanted Dallas, so we'll, take, we'll take whoever's next.
0: Is it uh, that jerk off?
1: Now, he was there with them, but Aiden Hutchinson, I believe, the oh. one who said it. He's like, we wanted, you know, we want, we wanted Dallas. They wanted revenge. They they've been pretty vocal about that. I found another quote about a, a player who said something around the, uh, along those lines. So they wanted Dallas, but Dallas didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Oh well.
0: Yeah, I like it. All right, so uh, let me play this one for you. You're going to know who this is, but uh, this is so. If you have J.J. Watt kind of summing up how Texans fans feel this morning, this one might sum up how uh, the other Texas team is feeling. Watch.
1: Every damn where, well. all across this country, all across the league, they stood up to defend their city and defend their team, except in the city that deserved it the most except the team that's most recognizable and deserve it the most what do you do when all you have don't understand what they have when i got here i understood the men before me they built the Dallas Cowboys they made this America's team they put a championship on the table before I got here, my job while I was here is to match what they have done because they built it. They handed it to me. Put my damn championship on the table. That's all we have. Put your damn championship on the table and you couldn't to do it. All asses got to go. Wow. That is the playmaker, Michael Irvin. I do see. I thought he was gonna turn into like Macho Man Randy Savage for a second there. All He's their asses gotta go, Rod. Ooh, yeah. Oh man. Oh, I, honestly, I love Michael Irvin. I love how emotional he gets. He's all passion, baby. He's all passion. Well, you know what? Er, Michael Irvin, they this ain't the Cowboys kind of team you played for. They don't play with your passion.
0: No. Nope. Nope, you don't play
1: with nope. your passion or your purpose. I remember uh,
0: when I was uh, covering Cowboys camp, then Michael Irvin came into the R- RCC, the, where I worked, the recreation and convocations. That's where they had the locker room and the, excuse me, the weight room where they did all their uh, training. And he picked up this trash can and threw it against the wall. It's about a half full trash can, just coming back for practice.
1: Just mad about something mad that happened at practice? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. He's all passion. it's all passion. Dude it's, like, all passion like, man. dude,
0: it's like a thousand degrees and it's. Uh, yeah. Mid August. No,
1: it, it, the story you talked about uh, about Troy Aikman, at, you know, one at the end of their dynasty, uh, talking about his his uh, inability to practice because he was just getting old and injured. It would hurt how it would hurt the intensity level of practice because he like went they, out there. He went out there. Like, you need him out there because the intensity level would be ratcheted up when Michael Irv was out there because of that passion you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Akeman said, man, Mike, we need you out here, man. Need you, man. Need you, bro. We need the
1: youngsters don't know how to practice if you ain't out there. they laughing too much. They uh-huh. need you out there passionate, That's throwing good trash start. cans.
0: Fabulous fifth hour to come. Cowboys season over. Texans advances. Longhorns adding pieces. And a new extension for Steve Sarkeesian is in the books. It took him up with Ian Rodby.